Welcome to the Nourished and Nurturing Podcast for two holistic-minded moms with a passion for real food and raising healthy, empowered children. We want to provide a safe and educational, judgment-free zone for supporting women as they journey into motherhood and discover the mom they were meant to be. I'm Marissa of Confidently Balanced. I'm a former speech-language pathologist turned nutritional therapy practitioner and have a passion for all things health, wellness, and mindset. I'm also a mama to a little guy with a big personality. And I'm Michelle. I'm a nutritional therapy practitioner student. I have a degree in Thai massage and a master's in business analytics. I'm a mama to a little one and have another one on the way. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or qualified health provider with any questions you have regarding a medical concern. Hi, friend. Hi, how's it going? Pretty well. We've uh, we've had a couple of days over here with the mold remediation situation, but it's gone. And I'm not trying to be dramatic, but I sobbed. <laughs> <laughs> it is gone for good. It's it will gone. never come back. They fixed the problem. It's just wild to me that this house has probably been moldy since the seventies when they built it. If the bathroom fan oh, wasn't hooked up and all that's just like going up there, it's crazy. So I'm just trying to trust the process and believe that it's all over and I can start to heal and just close this chapter for good. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure you're not mourning the mold leaving you. <laughs> not even a little bit. <laughs> Could not get out of here fast enough. <laughs> oh, wow. But how are you? How are things going on your end? I don't, I'm super excited to be recording today. I actually, part of the reason I got Invisalign yesterday, so Ooh. it kind of hurts. And I'm like, well, this is a good excuse to take my trays out for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm excited about that. But it'll, it'll be a process. And then um, we saw, we moved Connor into a toddler bed this yeah, weekend. How's that going? We got one on Sunday. Not well. Oh no. <laughs> I think I think we need to like get a sleep expert as a guest on this podcast just so I can get all of the tips because Connor's actually been a really good sleeper uh, most of his life. So he's 25 months old and we've had a couple periods where we had to readjust but it always went pretty quick and now it's it's like an hour to get him down for a nap or to bed at night wow. and we just can't. <laughs> yeah. So that was our idea is like, let's put him in the bed. Let's teach him that. Okay. You're in a bed now. You, you can't crawl out. And, um, so we're trying to figure that out, but it, it didn't just work on day one. Kind of wish um, it would be the magic thing, it's right? It's a little, it's a little easier because, like, it's not the most comfortable way to lay down in the world. But it's something that's, you know, I couldn't do that with him before. So we're trying to spend more time in his bed leading up to bedtime. But yeah, so we're we're working on that. It's but it's really something that's just got to change and figure that out. Probably lengthen the bedtime routine. So not super fun. <laughs> no, no. I wonder if kids somehow get on this wavelength or something. Cause I swear I've had three or four of my friends say bedtime has all of a sudden started to be 
terrible for their kids. At this age? Yeah. Yeah. They're all right around the same age. I don't know if it's, Jonathan was even just asking me yesterday if there was another leap situation and I'm not sure anymore, but because it's been what rough for us too. The developmental leaps. To oh, do, like the Wonder yeah. Weeks the, um, yeah, I forget what. Yeah, the Wonder Weeks. Yeah. But that was really helpful um, when he was little, but now that he's two, I think it's just kind of anybody's guess. I don't know. <laughs> well, for us, like he started being able to crawl out of his crib and he thought it was hilarious. So, yeah. So that changed everything. Like where he used to be kind of locked in and he would eventually get himself to sleep. Like he wouldn't be crying or anything. He'd just kind of talk to himself and go down. Now it's get out of bed, run into mommy and daddy's room, start laughing. And mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, oh so, so if I figure that out, I will let everyone know, but yeah, past that. I, I'm almost at the point of thinking about consulting someone. Might not hurt. No, we did that once. I, I want to say he was 17 months. Sleep regression. That's what I was trying to There it is. Think yeah. Of. yeah. <laughs> when they were, yeah. But I, and I don't know if there was one at 17 months, but like he started like waking up in the middle of the night and he hadn't done that in a long time. He slept through the night really early. And so we got, we consulted somebody about that and Basically, we ended up putting him to bed later because we were trying to force him to bed when he wasn't tired. And then he was waking up at like 3 a.m. So that actually fixed it. But now his bedtime is nine. And if it takes an hour to get him to bed, it's just way too late. Yeah. Like last night, I think it was 1045 before he was down for the night, which. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So. But this is a new problem. We're just trying to figure it out. Yeah, we're doing Q&A today. Yeah, I'm really excited. We have some good questions. I know. Well, yeah, I was going to say, if you didn't listen to the last episode, so that was on the first trimester. So if you skipped it because you weren't pregnant, I think we had some good updates in the beginning. I'd still maybe listen to that, just like what we're doing with the podcast. But it's, it's just so awesome seeing feedback from people now that we're growing a little audience and people are listening and um it's it's just amazing getting this information out and having people use it and I do think we got some really good questions from people related to some of the things we talked about in past episodes so we have a question from Elena she said if you're baking and this has to do with our episode four on nutrition basics where we talked about fat. So some of the dangers of cooking with certain types of fats that turn into trans fats. And so she's asking for specific recommendations about what to use. So she says, if you're baking in a recipe calls for vegetable oil, what would you use instead? If I want to stop using olive oil for cooking in high heat, what kind of oils can you use? Is it just coconut oil and palm oil? And how do you avoid those same kind of trans fats if you're eating out? Um, I know for us, for baking, we use a lot of coconut oil and a lot of butter. Yeah, We are a butter family. <laughs> um, for as far as olive oil, and the high heat situation, same thing with 
as baking, we use a lot of coconut oil and butter. We also use a lot of, we use, um, tallow, grass-fed tallow. And Kate, I've used, I've cooked with duck fat. I don't think I've ever actually cooked with lard, but we have cooked with duck fat before. Okay. Um, yeah, we use. Your go-to is coconut oil? For the most part, yeah. Coconut oil and butter, that's what we go through the most, but definitely, definitely coconut oil. Um, okay. But as far as avoiding trans fats, I know that can seem really, really overwhelming <laughs> when you're out, but yeah, I think the most obvious thing is the fried food situation. Um, not all restaurants use a vegetable canola oil, but unfortunately most of them do. So just being mindful of their menu and you are not obnoxious. If you are asking questions, it is a okay to question the ingredients. Um, any, anything, anything, they will answer you and they will be truthful. I mean, they have to be so, and if you're not comfortable with their answer, you could, you could even ask to speak to somebody else, or you could just skip it all together, depending on where you are at and whether you have like a true sensitivity or allergy or something like that, or you just are choosing to avoid it. You can kind of make that decision, whether it's omitting just an ingredient or completely um, changing up the game plan. We, for me personally, sometimes I just really want some French fries and I will go for it. But more often than not, um, I opt, I know this sounds kind of boring, but I do a lot of salads because there are days where I just don't want to eat vegetables at home. And for some reason, having somebody else make me a big salad really works for me. So I do that a lot <laughs> or <laughs> I opt a lot of times if I'm having something like a burger, for example, I just, you can ask for a lettuce bun if they don't have a gluten-free bun, but I just usually go bunless personally. It's just worked for me. Um, especially if I'm having another side or two, but uh, for there's, I, I don't know, Michelle, I don't know if you've used Google maps to find any like farm to table restaurants or anything like that. Like there's a lot of really awesome, at least, I don't know. I would imagine a lot of places have smaller restaurants that have a lot of like grass fed or farm to table type fare. Have you ever used Google maps for that? I honestly, that's what I do when I'm traveling. Yeah. I will put either paleo or farm to table or organic. That's all I type. And then you use Google Maps and then see what comes up. Because a lot of the paleo places, if it shows up as that, it tends to be that same kind of thing where they're using um, meat that wasn't uh, that wasn't from factory farms or they might use a better quality fat. I do find that I think even a lot of the farm to table restaurants use the seed oils um, because yeah. it's not something unless they're specifically putting it on their sign. And I've certainly seen that when I've traveled, but I haven't seen that anywhere near me in the Midwest where they will say no soy, no canola oil, no, you know, like they'll list all these things and that's their niche and people know that they're paying for that. So right. I think a lot of restaurants, if they're just trying to be this like faux healthy farm to table, it's maybe a little bit better, but it still might be organic meat that was from a factory farm or they're using oils that turn to trans fats because they're, they're not advertising that they're not, but that is something I like to do. And I'm not, I'm not somebody who's going to completely avoid these 
things all the time. It's just, um, it's difficult, but there definitely are places like uh, there's a breakfast place near me. Um, just, it's a, it's an original pancake house, like just a diner, but they cook in butter oil. And that's something that I think people are answering a lot more because food allergies are becoming so prevalent that you ask what something's cooked in and they're prepared to answer. It's not judgy. It's not anything. They're just, it's matter of fact, like, here's what we use. And, um, I guess sometimes if I was at a hotel that had an omelet bar, ask what kind of fat are you using? And, um, you can't unsee that bottle they show you. Yeah. (laughs) uh, If it's, if it's something that's a solid and it's not a saturated fat, like some sort of seed oil that was hydrogenated into a solid, that's where you're going to find extremely damaged fats and, that would be my first priority to avoid. So even more than just a vegetable oil that's a liquid, something that was hydrogenated into a solid is something I'd be pretty concerned about. Um, so I, when I was in that situation, I just went, bought some olive oil and said, can you cook my food in this? And I've heard, I haven't done this, but I've heard somebody on cruise ships, like they'd go get butter from a different station on the cruise and then go to the omelet bar and say, can you cook, can you cook my food in this? And so I know we said, don't cook in olive oil in high heat and butter is not necessarily the best for really high heat, like stir frying, but something like an omelet, it's definitely a better choice than some of the other choices that are available. Um, Yeah, absolutely. So but yeah, definitely the the amount of time they're cooking it too. Like you said, with the deep frying, it's getting soaked into the food. So what they're doing with like something that's breaded and fried, like a chicken tender or mozzarella stick or something like that, they're putting a batter on that that's going to absorb a ton of this oil. So you're getting a ton of that damaged fat in your food versus if they're putting a little canola oil on a grill top and cooking some vegetables in it or cooking some cut up chicken, like it's just different with the amount of fat the food is absorbing. So I think that's where you're, you're really getting that difference with the fried food. And then if they cook in butter fats, like I'm all for the fries and the fried food and all of it, uh, it's just difficult to find. But I do think asking is a great first step, even if you don't choose not to do it the first time you ask, like just getting that information. I think the navigating when you're eating out can be difficult and you you don't try to make it perfect, but just getting that information I think is helpful. Absolutely. Yeah. But yeah, if you can do things like a salad, you're not really getting things that are cooked or even steamed vegetables and add your own butter. Uh, I guess it's worth mentioning some of the table stuff. Um, I travel a lot for work. So to like in a hotel, like a continental breakfast, look at the butters because a lot of them will be that um, butter substitute. Like I can't believe it's not butter. And that's a hydrogenated seed oil. Um, so I would definitely avoid that where if it's actual butter, 
even if it's not from a pasture raised animal, like it's still going to be a better quality fat. So I guess one other thing I'll say on that is, I don't know how much we went into this with the other episode, but your cells are made of fats. So your cell walls are comprised of fats. And so I eat something today, my body is using those fats. If it's using a damaged fat to create cellular structure, it's it's kind of that whole thing, like we've heard it takes seven years to replace all of the cells in your body. So like your taste buds can change every seven years or just all these things that they talk about. Um, the same with their fats. If you start choosing better fats, it might take seven years to have fully healthy cells because of how long that fat stays in your system. So this is not something where you're going to immediately notice a difference by switching these out, but it will be, it will make a long-term impact on your health. So, yeah, I'm glad you mentioned um, that. That's really important. That's really important. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like if you're deficient in a vitamin and you start taking a supplement and then you're, you're fine three weeks later, <laughs> it takes a little <laughs> bit longer, but, um, I'll touch on a couple of the other pieces. So baking, and cooking. So I'm not always the biggest fan of how coconut oil tastes, like if I don't think it's something that goes with coconut oil. <laughs> um, and that's something where like my husband would cook eggs in coconut oil and I didn't like the taste of it. So we do use a lot of ghee in our house, which is more expensive. So that's butter that has all the the protein and the sugar is taken out. So it's just the fat component of butter, but you can cook it at really high heats because it's just a fat and it's saturated. But yeah, so I, I would use coconut if I thought it went with coconut. We also use a lot of bacon grease. Um, so this is something where I think in the fifties, like everybody saved their bacon grease and it was like a thing where you'd have your bacon grease jar. <laughs> um, Cause I mentioned that and people were like, yeah, my grandma always did that. And so I'll just talk about that. So I would only do that if it was a pasture raised animal um, because of the quality of the fat, it's going to keep that integrity more easily if it's a healthy animal and you, you have that fat. So you don't want to be cooking multiple times in fat. Some of these saturated fats you could maybe use two or three times, but uh, that's probably the limit. And even a good saturated fat will become damaged in the heat. So with the bacon grease, the, the time you're cooking the bacon is kind of the first cook. And then I'll give it one more if I save it. So the options are to save it as it is, and you're going to get little particles of protein in it, like the bacon, and you'd have to refrigerate that. The um, I think the old thing in the 50s is they'd keep a jar on their counter, but you have to filter out those bits because those will make you sick. They'll, they'll have bacteria in them. It's not a, a clean fat that you can keep on the counter. So, uh, so you can keep it out if you filter it out with like cheesecloth or something. So we do the fridge 
thing because it's easier <laughs> and it just it tastes really good if you get really good bacon it just it makes the vegetables taste so good it's amazing um so we do a lot of that so we we have bought there's animal fats you can buy like you said I really like the brands epic or fatworks so they have lard tallow all the things um and I think it's just the taste for me of the bacon grease, but there's not as much nutrient content in, in bacon grease as there is in some of these other animal fats. So if you're talking vitamin content, like a lard or a tallow or ghee would be a better choice. So, and then we really like ghee from fourth and heart. Uh, you can buy it on Amazon or Thrive Market and they have a lot of different flavors. So there's a vanilla. I think it's just vanilla ghee and we use it all the time for like sweet potatoes and things like that. And it's, it's so good. And then we also use the garlic if we're doing more of a like savory dish. So, Mm. and then baking, yeah, either coconut oil or butter, same rule. If it, if the flavor of coconut goes with what I'm baking, I'll use coconut. If it doesn't, I'll use butter. Okay. Question number two is from Chelsea. Do you have any make ahead and freezing tips for starting solids and tips on buying or making your own purees? This is something where I feel like it was really overwhelming for us when we first had a baby that was eating. Like it was exciting at first when it was one meal a day and it was really easy to keep up with. And then when we were having to pack all these meals for grandma's house every day, you, you want to get a variety of things, but you want to make it easy so that you're not cooking every night to get ready for the next day for the kid, plus all your own stuff. Um, so we did a lot of canned fish. So both salmon and sardines. And he loved these and it was so easy for us to just send a can and it would be multiple meals for one can. Um, We also really liked frozen liverwurst from U.S. Wellness Meats is where we ordered it. So they have a few different kinds. Um, I think you've done those too. There's liverwurst, there's head cheese, and then the one with the B that I don't know how to pronounce Braunschweiger. Um, yeah, yeah that. I, I, no, I, I, that's about what I would have said. I just, you know, not German enough for that, I guess. <laughs> and um, we bought seaweed salad that was frozen. That was like, he just loved it. And it's a good source of iodine. So it was easy to just pull, pull a little container of that out and it was ready to go. And then we did do a lot of purees and my husband got super into it. Um, we bought the baby Brisa. So it's, it steams and blends the food in one, one device. So yeah. So you just hit like however long you want to cook it, like 20 minutes and then you hit steam and blend. So it'll steam it for 20 minutes and then it'll blend it. And then my husband would just put like a little dish of fat on top of it. So while it was steaming, the fat would become liquid and he would mix that in. And then we would use these little silicone, I think they're like one ounce silicone trays to freeze them. 
So I just ordered them, them on Amazon. I'll put a link in the show notes, but those were kind of a lifesaver for us. We use them for milk sometimes um, when, when I wanted to freeze breast milk and we used it for pate. So we would make pate, which is chicken livers and butter, mostly a couple other things. And we would make it ahead and freeze it into these little pods. And then we bought little glass containers that would either fit one or two pods in them. And so you can just in the morning pick out a couple of those or a couple different kinds and put them in the bag to go. So, um, and I think, so yeah, that, it, that was really easy for us. And then we did use like gallon freezer bags in the freezer once we wanted to pop them out of the pods and you could label them. And there's actually eggs, which is nice. Like it's not a plastic that we worry about, but the trays that we were pouring like a hot puree into, we use silicone and then we'd use glass to put the little pods in because we might need to microwave them to defrost them or something like that. But um, in terms of just putting something that's already frozen into a, a gallon freezer bag, I don't think there's really an issue with plastic leaching. So, yeah, so we, my husband did all sorts of veggie combinations that we did a lot of carrots and broccoli with the ghee and he was really good at spicing them. And that was something that made a big difference. If it was too bland, my son wasn't as interested in it. So the risk with that is if you get too adventurous once in a while, your kid won't want to eat it at all. (laughs) But like over the long haul, you're learning what do they like and you know, if you're willing to eat the mistakes, even better. <laughs> I think a lot of times we would toss them if if it was something really odd. But I think that's been good for us too, is that the purees was a way we used a lot of different spices. One time and we got this like cauliflower mash with roasted garlic and Connor was eating it at the restaurant and loved it. And Scott's like, oh, we're going to start making this at home. So now that's one of his go-to recipes. It's just like cauliflower with a ton of garlic. <laughs> In my opinion, too much garlic. But um, it's like, like I pick up my baby from my mom's house and he like reeks of garlic. And I'm like, oh, Scott must have packed this, this cauliflower <laughs> today. But, you know, it's healthy for him if he likes it. It's just, you know hugs from further away. (laughs) (laughs) And then something else we do a lot of, um, this is kind of in the puree mindset, like finger foods are a little different, but sweet potato is something we did a lot of. And that was the thing that we would put everything into. So we did like a probiotic, a prebiotic, uh, any kind of supplement you might be giving your kid. I don't think we did a lot, but there were a few things that it just all went into the sweet potatoes. And then, like I said, we like doing that vanilla ghee and then the, we put collagen in them sometimes for some protein, just, it's a nice little balanced meal on its own. And he loves them if you kind of load it up. So 
but yeah, then if you're, if you're at the point of finger foods with how old your kid is, then there's a lot more options of just steaming, broccoli, baking, butternut squash. So I, I do like a lot of the Trader Joe's has pre-cut up veggies, which just makes it really easy to either throw into like the baby brisa to make a puree or to serve, just cook and serve if it's a finger food. And, you know, there's some plastics. I think Trader Joe's trying to go to something more biodegradable. So I do internally debate about that, but it's just so much easier that that's that's what we choose to do a lot of the time is get pre-cut up stuff. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. And I love the baby Brisa. I have never heard of that before. That sounds incredible. <laughs> yeah, we we also did canned fish and we did U.S. wellness meats. I think liverwurst was one of the first things we introduced as well. I referred to Megan Garcia a lot. I don't know if you've ever looked into any of her stuff, but she is a really good resource on baby's first foods and she's really into the meaty minerals. So starting with, we did um, this, we cooked up some bone marrow and maybe marrow and marrow fritters with a banana or something like that pretty early on. And those went over really, really well. Um, I mean, it is a little bit, it's, you know, effort to find these grass-fed bones and do that. But I mean, really that's the hardest part because the, the marrow cooked up really, really quickly and everything came together super fast. And it's just a really good source of dense nutrition for your little one. And like we mentioned before, in one of the other episodes, maybe the breastfeeding one around six months, your baby, it needs, you need to give them iron. (laughs) And that's a really good way to get iron into them, um, with these meatier foods. So can we just talk about the meat sourcing for a second? Like, where do you get your meat? We're lucky. We have a farm that's right by us that we get most of our meat from. Um, they do the cow, like they have their own grass fed cattle that they, um, you know, slaughter and process and the whole, th- I mean, it's beautiful. The whole thing is just right there. So, um, I really love that. I really respect the way they regenerate the soil. All that, that being said, I know that not everybody has a farm in their backyard. So there, um, there's a company, I know butcher box has a lot of really quality sourced animals. And there's I think U.S. One. Wellness Meats does as well. They do, yeah. And I just heard someone talking about a place called Corner Post Meats, and I haven't looked into it a lot, um, but they do subscription boxes, shipments, and they're really into the soil regeneration and um, really caring for their animals too, high-quality meats. So that might be another option. And from your farm, you're just able to say you want marrow bones, and it's yeah. easy. Yep. Yeah the marrow bones and the, the banana fritters from her pee. I changed it a little bit and like added some coconut and like did it a little different, but he loved those. And actually bone marrow, it, it just turns into like a butter. I think it's, it's one of those intimidating things, but you cook it and you just whip it. And it's, it's basically like butter, like it's hard in your fridge or it's soft at room temperature. And we would put that in sweet potatoes too, just to give it an extra boost if we had bone marrow made. Cause once you make it, it is for me, it's like several servings worth of bone marrow to put in different things. And it lasts in your fridge for a couple of weeks. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's stretched for sure. But, and we also did the, um, the 
pate from Megan Garcia. That was her recipe. We loved that. But yeah, just on the meats, I do order from a farm in Indiana. Uh, it's called C&D Family Farms. And it's all pasture-raised animals. I don't know that they're fully into the whole sustainability place, like some or piece with the soil regeneration and all of that. Like, I don't know that they're going that extra mile, but I feel pretty good about it. Like I've gone out and visited and see how they, you know, see how much land the animals have and what they have access to. So mm-hmm. uh, I just wanted to stop there because I feel like some people are like bone marrow. I'd never do that. But <laughs> I know once, once you put your mind into finding the right marrow bones and then it's like so easy. Yeah. Yeah, it really is. And I know a lot of the stuff that we talk about, at least people that I, friends and family are, they've said, why would you feed your kid that, you know, the sardines and the liverwurst and the marrow? And it's like, well, listen to our our daughter. (laughs) It's just that really wholesome source of bioavailable nutrients that just, it, it fit right into what we believed and all of that. So it was worth it to seek out for us for sure. Um, we also, I mean, pretty much Michelle, everything that you said, we did a lot of the, the sweet potato situation. We, we also added collagen and a fat to that. We added our, our son, basically everything we ate from the time he was six months old, he's eaten too. So we did a lot of soups with just a bunch of veggies, um, pastured chicken. And I would always add extra fat to his and he just had that pureed. And again, like, like what you said with the seasonings, that's where we got to play a lot. And to this day, he eats what we eat. I mean, last night we had this harvest pork, like sheet pan situation and he's inhaling it and asking for seconds. And it's just really cool to see. Um, so we've been pretty fortunate in that regard, but we did, we did a lot of that, like the soups, the stews, and just made a couple batches, blended it up and froze it. We also used those, if they're the same ones that I'm thinking of, those little silicone um, trays, molds, whatever. Yeah. We love those too. And we, to your point, we just did a lot of nutrient variability in the purees. Um, whether they were the fruit ones, we always added a bunch of fat to that and collagen, mostly with the fruit ones. We did just some vegetables and then just a lot of, a lot of soups. I don't know. We did a lot of soups at the beginning and just, it was just easy to make a huge batch and blend up half of it and stick it in the freezer in, in little pucks or discs or whatever and save them. So So like a creamy soup, not like a stew, like no stuff in it. We would do both, honestly. Yeah. He's just, Whatever we had, he would get. Oh, one other thing when that was like a major go-to was eggs. Oh yeah, eggs. Mm-hmm. That I, eggs. I miss <laughs> saying, but we did when he was really little. We would do just the yolk um, because it just has more nutrients in it. Like they need that the vitamins and the fat more than they need the protein. So we would kind of make up some eggs, like we would either make up an over easy egg and poke a hole in it and give him the liquidy egg yolk, or you can just spoon the egg yolk out if you crack it in a bowl and like just lightly cook it in a pan. Uh, that's what we were doing at first until we discovered the, the much easier way of just cooking the whole egg. And then, <laughs> yeah, 
but either way, like my husband would then have the eggs with a little bit extra egg white to make up for like us having the extra. So yeah, yeah. But that was always that. a go-to for he loves eggs. Yeah, we did that with I, oh, I'm, it was like a kelp. What you were saying with the iodine, the like a seaweed salt but it wasn't actually the salt it was just the seaweed type of thing in a shaker i cannot remember dulse maybe i think it was dulse flakes we would Dul- do- yeah dulse flakes yeah. yeah yeah we did eggs with that a lot <laughs> at the beginning too um yeah because more often than not if there's a sensitivity to eggs it's going to be to the white and not the yolk yeah. so that's that's why we just chose to completely omit the white oh geez I don't even know how old he was. Yeah. And then just another thing we've mentioned this before. I will always mention this because I love them so much. Serenity kids pouches are the best pouches I have found. Those have been amazing for us to have on hand in a pinch. I mean, I grab them every time. Sometimes they had, I think it was last year. They had a really awesome black Friday sale. I stocked up. (laughs) They're just fantastic. So yeah. Yeah easy to throw in a bag and have with you for the dreaded car situation or, <laughs> you know, something in a store, whatever the case may be. Our next question is from Brittany. Any other snack ideas that aren't just carbs? Um, any other was referring to the egg muffins that I talked about in the toddler eats episode. Cause that was one idea that was higher in protein and fat and it was still a muffin. Um, and then she says, I have been frustrated that my two and a half year old only wants carbs lately. The problem is she'll only want a bar or something like that as her first option and trying to steer her in other directions can lead to tantrums. I really feel for you on this one because I feel like once a toddler, granted mine's not two and a half yet, but he has pretty strong opinions. Once they make up their minds, it's very very difficult to get them out of that. And something that's been really hard for me is sitting with that discomfort, basically. Um, I'm not saying that you don't. (laughs) I'm just saying for my personal experience, especially when it comes to food, say he wants, I don't know, these gummy rabbits that I bought one time and he will never let me forget that I bought him gummy rabbits one time. But once he makes up his mind, like, okay, so I have this snack or this snack and these are your choices and, you know, feel your feels about it. I'm here for it, but this is just, these are your options. Cause we've always taken the stance of we decide what he decides how much. And I know that's not really answering the question. That's just what's worked for us in our personal experience. And like I said, I feel you because this, it's a hard, it's a hard thing to, um, get around basically. So I'm just going to name some of the snacks that we have on hand. Not all of them are great. Um, but I don't know if it'll make a difference for your kiddo, but we love paleo Valley. We love their Turkey sticks. Those are, there's another company too. And the name is escaping me. I get them on thrive market. They're just basically these softer beef sticks or grass fed beef sticks for kids. And, uh, we have those on hand all the time and they've worked really, really well for us. We have a lot of coconut yogurt. We do grass-fed yogurt sometimes. My son, I, I don't really think he has a sensitivity, but sometimes if he's drinking a lot of milk, having a lot of yogurt, I'll notice some bumps on his face and the diaper situation, like he'll might, he might get a rash on his bum. So we stick with a coconut yogurt more often than not. I've also done homemade gummies with grass-fed collagen um, or um, gelatin. I'm sorry, not collagen, grass-fed 
gelatin. I've used Great Lakes for that. I'm sure there are a bunch of other companies, Vital Proteins, I'm sure has a gelatin too. Um, I, that is the juice, but I feel like with the gelatin and the, the way that it helps their guts and it helps them digest, it's, you know, a better option than just a pack of gummies from the store more often than not. We have also done homemade fat balls basically, or energy balls, um, something with like, like a coconut oil or nut butter, um, coconut on the outside. I'm trying to think of all of it. There's a bunch of recipes that we've used. I can find them and we can link to them if you'd like. We do those a lot just because it's so easy to have on hand and just grab and let them eat. We have done a lot of apples and nut butter too. Just again, pairing that with a fat to try to <laughs> stretch out that hunger as long as we can. And something else we really, really, really love in this house are olives. My son could eat mm. a whole entire jar of olives in a sitting. Those have just been great again to just um, to just have on hand. And freeze-dried fruit. I know Trader Joe's has this. I get, I talk about Thrive a lot. I get a lot of our snacks on Thrive Market because you can select if you have, if you want to go paleo or keto, or if you have sensitivities, gluten-free, whatever. They have a lot of, they make it really easy. And that's where we just, I would just get a ton of snacks on there. Um yeah, freeze-dried fruit. I know that's not necessarily the answer to the question, but we we have that on hand a lot too. So I don't know exactly your situation and just how determined <laughs> your toddler is in her decision-making, um, but those are just some of the things that we've had on hand that have worked really well for us. Michelle, do you have... Yeah, I think I have a lot of really similar things to say. But I am wondering with her asking for a bar or something, is it something where you have a pantry that's at her level and she knows what you have? Um, because something we do, if my husband is snacking on something, I let my son have it. And that's just, if it's out and we're eating it, we're not going to say like, no, this is grown up food. And But we don't snack a lot. So... But so, well, my husband likes to have tortilla chips with his dinner. Like if I make a meat, I'm, I'm fine eating a bowl of whatever I made, but he likes to eat it on chips. So then my son can have chips with his dinner, um, chips cooked in coconut oil. <laughs> but yeah, that's, that's just something we do. So sometimes I, I tell my husband like, Hey, I'd prefer if you didn't have that around Connor, because that's the rule we've made. Um, there is a cabinet that we have that has some chips. So it's like a Jackson on it, Jackson's honest chips that are cooked in coconut oil. And that is a snack we let him have sometimes or like simple mills crackers. Uh, usually that is a carby snack, but that's something that we might do with a meal where he can have some crackers. Um, so there is a cabinet, but it's above the oven. So it's really high up. And if he points to it and says chips, usually our response is that we're out. <laughs> oh, we don't, chips all gone. Like, um, and I guess would steer him towards something else. So that's what I don't know. Cause I know a lot of people have pantries where the kids can see everything that's available. And then I think that would be a lot harder. So that, again, that's just what we do. I don't know. Like there's a small part of me that feels bad for lying to my kid, but, <laughs> um, 
that's just how it is. Or like if, if he has some raisins or something, then I put the bag away and it's like, Oh no, Connor ate all the raisins. Like once he ate, eats the ones that are in his hand. Um, so, and then I guess the other thing I'll say on the tantrums, this is not advice, but this is just what we do. We tend to, I guess, lean into them a little bit where I think you touched on this, like let him feel the feels like if he's sad that he doesn't get chips or that the raisins are all gone or whatever the situation is, it's, he always gets a big hug from mommy and he like, we'll kind of sit on the couch. He'll lay down on my chest and he'll cry a little bit and then he'll explain to me, he'll say, I'm sad. And I'll say, Oh, are you sad because you can't have any chips? And yes, I'm sad. Mommy took the chips away or whatever it is. And it's like, it kind of just passes once they get it out. Um, but if you're trying to just distract them right away, like you can't have chips. Do you want an apple? Then it's like, no apple. You know, it's it like they need to get that out that they're frustrated about the chips. So that's just kind of a piece from our end is that it really is a big source of frustration for kids, this food thing. Um, I don't think there's really a way around that. So uh, other than that, just snack ideas. We definitely have done the Paleo Valley. We've done the beef sticks. Um, and I like those for myself. I travel with them. I'm not a big jerky fan. Like I don't like personally when the meat's all dehydrated and like chewy, but the Paleo Valley meat sticks are very moist. So it's, I don't know how to compare it, but I would say it's more like eating a sausage link than a jerky. Um, So I really like those. We do meatballs because they're easy to just, they're handheld. My husband makes a ton of meatballs um, with apples and potatoes in them. So it actually is more of, it's not just meat. He he puts things in them. um, So it's a good snack. Yogurt, we do do dairy. Um, we like the Siggy's triple cream, so it has a lot more fat. So it's even more fat than carbohydrates, even though it's a yogurt, that's, um, a little snack and he loves those. And like I said, we do chips that is more carby. There's some fat and if it's cooked in coconut oil, it's okay. But that is more of a that wouldn't necessarily be our go-to. It would be more of a treat, but I really like them too. Like <laughs> I, I like the um, sweet potato chips with the um, kite hill, like the almond cream cheese. Oh my gosh. So I've been snacking more than, more than I'm pregnant. Like <laughs> it's like some, if I'm working from home, it's like, I like snacking more than actually having a meal, which is not great. But um, so that's something I like to have, but then almond butter, he will eat that right out of the jar now. Like he, he really likes it, which he did not for a while. So, and there's even like different flavors of those. We, we do the Justin's almond butter, but sometimes I'll put some raisins on top of the almond butter on the spoon, but it's usually kind of just a, like he wants a spoonful of it kind of thing, which is kind of funny. Um, or put it on apples, something like that. 
Oh, we already talked about the muffins, but we like having muffins on hand that are homemade and that are higher in protein and fat. So I love the egg muffins because it's it's quite high in protein. Like the other ones might have some fat, but it's hard to do like a carrot cake muffin with a ton of protein in it. But uh, also pancakes, we can make protein pancakes pretty easily. So we'll make pancakes with either oats or some kind of flour and then collagen, egg, and whatever, maybe banana or some kind of flavor in there. But that's a super easy thing to just make a big batch of and then take one out at a time. And it it would last a few days that way. And then I do give my son dark chocolate. So he, I eat 95% dark chocolate and I didn't know if he would like it. He does. I looked into the caffeine. It's quite small compared to coffee. So we will do that sometimes. So my son says chocolate. Mommy has chocolate. (laughs) And I wish I could make him say that like that forever. Oh, he loves it too. We do a lot of that. Uh, You were talking about Siggy's and it made me flash back to when I was super pregnant. They had a Whole Foods that was brand new in Buffalo and I hunted down the chocolate triple cream yogurt. I lived off of that at the end of my pregnancy. Love that one. It was so good. (laughs) Yeah, it's so good. And yeah, it tastes like it would be more sugary, but it's just not. (laughs) Amazing. So question number four is from Kate. Do you have any tips for limiting chemicals in the home during pregnancy? I want to avoid harsh cleaning products and putting chemicals on my skin. So yes, I'm pregnant and this is something I think you're just naturally a lot more cognizant of when you're pregnant. Like you can, it's easier to not care when it's not another baby or another human that's also getting all this stuff. So this is something I've definitely been trying to change in my home. Um, I'll just give a couple quick recommendations. I I do really like Norwax. I don't, have you tried that? I love Norwax. That's all I use to clean my okay. house. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, yeah, it's, it's basically these cloths that have metal in them and then you just use water. So what we do is I have like one of the, um, those like tea kettles that are elect- electric that you just heat, like basically boil water. And I pour that along my counters or my floors before using the Norwax so that it's really hot water. But I feel like that cleans really well. Like rather than using like warm water from the sink, I feel like the hot water really makes it like you're, you're killing what you need to kill and you just have to wipe it up with a cloth. So I found that to be really easy for us. They also make um, wool balls for instead of dryer sheets because there's a lot of chemicals in dryer sheets. Yeah, and they make a laundry detergent that's pretty clean. So I really like Norwax. We'll link to that. And yeah, it, I mean, if I'm like cleaning my toilet, I'm not as worried about using a chemical for as often as I clean my toilets for a limited space. But 
um, for most of the stuff, you really don't need to kill 99.99% of bacteria to, <laughs> to have a clean house. So, so that's something we love or I love, uh, sounds like you do too. And for skincare. So if you're talking about like the cosmetic industry or, you know, hair, beauty, any of that, I think the most important things to prioritize are anything that you inhale or anything you ingest. So that would be something like a lipstick where you end up eating a lot of it. If it's something you're putting onto your skin, like you do still want to be careful about that. And I'll get to that in a minute, but your skin does have a better defense system than something getting into your mouth or breathing it. So that's something where we get back to the home stuff. You really don't want to be near a ton of bleach or paint fumes because your lungs don't have as strong of a, as strong of a defense system as your skin does. So things like hairspray or powders, if you use a powder foundation, you end up breathing that in. Um, so these are things that I would prioritize first with personal care. And then second, I would say anything that you're rubbing into your skin that stays on there. Um, and the, the larger portion of your skin you're putting it on or the more frequent, that's where I would prioritize that. So if you're a body lotion person, I would probably look at that first. I don't use body lotion every day. So like my moisturizer and my foundation were some of the first things I changed because it's something that you're putting on your skin and leaving there versus like something you're putting on and washing off right away. So those are kind of my thoughts. Um, so we're, we haven't, I don't think talked about this on the podcast, but we're both consultants with Beauty Counter. They're, I think they're just doing amazing things. Like everything they make is safe for pregnancy and they're making really high performing products. Another brand I like is Primally Pure. I think they have a lot of great stuff. They don't necessarily have a full line of products like Beauty Counter does, but there's a few things from Primally Pure I really like that Beauty Counter doesn't have, like deodorant. I use their dry shampoo. Um, and I really like, I, I don't know if you've used this brand, but uh, this everything spray with magnesium. It's like a, it's considered a toner, but uh, this might be TMI, but like if I'm just like getting a little like, I don't know, smelly or like I worked out and I don't want to shower right away, it has some sort of like vinegar or something that kills bacteria. So I'll spray it. So I love that. <laughs> I think everybody needs the everything spray truly. <laughs> Okay. You've done it too. Oh my gosh. It's like, yeah, I don't want to be like, yeah, I never shower, but it's, it's just amazing. And then for beauty counter, I do use their hair products. They don't have like a hairspray or, um, anything like that, but they have shampoo conditioner, which I love. And then I use pretty much everything for my body care, skincare and, uh, cosmetics from beauty counter. So it's just nice to find these brands that A, are doing something right in terms of protecting consumers from what's out there in the chemicals, but also that 
they're being responsible from a sustainability perspective. Um, and I, I really think it's a great company. And I think Norox is doing the same. Like they're really trying to educate people with what they're putting out there, like doing, like they have metal straws that they sell and they're trying to educate on the impact of using all these plastic straws. And so I think companies that are doing that, I just love supporting them. So, uh, but there's definitely other brands out there. I kind of went, when I first started with the natural products, like went all the way to like, I'm just going to use coconut oil for everything. And that is not a high performing product. (laughs) (laughs) So it might work, but if you're, if you're looking at anything like anti-aging or uh, care about correct skin imbalances it's just not gonna get you there so that's that's my personal opinion yeah so yeah I am completely on the same page as you I know when I was pregnant and started to learn the the information about the lack of transparency and regulation in the personal care industry I got I mean I already had anxiety so this didn't help the situation I just felt like I had to replace everything at one time and that's not budget friendly that's not you know don't do that don't be like me you don't have to do this isn't an all or nothing situation right like start slow make small changes what you can do within your budget and what is reasonable for your life I completely agree about the ingesting inhaling products I always tell people what do you use the most start there. Um, lip products were huge for me. I'm a huge chapstick person and I use Primally Pure's chapstick. It's the best. My lips are always so soft. And Beauty Counter has one that I really like before bed. It's in a, it's in a little pot situation. Um, mm-hmm. we love the peppermint one, but I love them. Fatco is another company. And I think you might be able to get them at Target now and on Thrive. They have pretty clean ingredients. They're pretty transparent with everything. And that's just another great example. But I do, like you said, Michelle, most of my stuff, honestly, that the makeup that I have and the skincare products that I use are from Beauty Counter as well. It's just worked really well for my skin. They perform the best. And that's just what I'm after. Um, you know, I'm at a point in my life where I'm willing to pay a little more for things that stretch and that, you know, are safe for me. My son gets into my makeup bag often and I really like knowing that everything in there now, like I've been doing this for a few years. So like at this point, most of my stuff within reason is, um, our cleaner products. So I feel good about that. And really, like you said, really grateful for companies that are walking the walk and it's good to see. Um, a good resource that I use often and I refer a lot of people to is the EWG. You can, I think you might be able to scan in your products, but you can type them in and find, they give you basically a rating of, I don't know if it's one to 10 or zero to 10, but 10 being the most toxic one or zero being the least. And they break down the ingredients in them and what is the most toxic ingredient and why. And it's just a really great visual. And that helped me with what products to swap and when. Um, I think, I think that's a great resource. I branch basics is a really good company that I've, I've used them once. Um, but they are a good company for cleaning products. Now I'm mostly in the Norwex camp. It's just so much easier for me. Like Michelle was saying, it's just great to just have that cloth and go. Um, we also do glass storage containers and stainless steel 
everything that you said completely. If you are a fragrance person, I know some people in my family are big fragrance people. They love perfume. There's a company called Fleur, P-H-L-U-R, that is, I've used, I, they have samples that you can have and I love the scent Amelie. Um, I've, I've stepped so far away from scents that even the clean ones kind of make me, they give me a little bit of a headache. <laughs> I can't walk down the detergent aisle in the store anymore without just wanting, my head wants to explode. But um, Fleur is pretty good. I've also heard really good things about Henry Rose. They are ingredient transparent as well. And I'm sure there's more that I have to say about this. We kind of swap between the beauty counter line, like this, the nourishing or the, the daily line. I think it's the daily line and a cure. We use a cure sometimes too. And I've actually really been liking that just for now. And we just share it. So it's nice to just buy one thing of shampoo, one thing of conditioner and just share it instead of both of us having our own thing. So it just saves us money too in the long run. So those are all the questions we have for this week. Thanks to everyone who sent them in. This was a fun episode. Do cover a variety of topics, but keep sending in your questions to nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com. And we will do another one of these soon. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Email us your questions at nourishedandnurturing at gmail.com and find us on Instagram at nourishedandnurturing. You can find more from me, Marissa, at confidentlybalanced.com. And you can find more from me, Michelle, on Instagram at Michelle Taggy. Please subscribe, rate, and review our podcast if you liked what you heard and share it with a friend. We look forward to talking to you next week.